EDM champions, we've got a big episode for you today. The founder and CEO of Boomi comes on the show to discuss the role of AI-powered software in music creation. But hold up, don't worry. We've also got new music from the artists we're watching. People like Low Poly, Honey and Badger, Trip Trop, and more. Welcome to episode 125 of Beyond the Beats. Let's get into it. EDM champions, I come to you with some semi-sad news, okay? Mm. Oh no, what's going on? This is the second to last episode of this season for Beyond the Beats, episode Mm. 125. But you know that when you hit play on your favorite podcasting platform, you are in for some fun. You're in for some new music. (laughs) You're in for all the great things about our EDM scene. And Alec Prieto, EDM champions all around the world. I have an amazing on repeat for you all this week. I fucking <laughs> love this song. I love this man, Seven Lines. I truly do. I just, I never see a bad set from him. No. And I just feel and never like... never a bad hair day. Never, never a bad hair a day. bad never. hair day. His hair exactly. is luscious. It's gorgeous. Goes along with the music. I love it. My on repeat for everybody this week is Seven Lines, Jason Ross, and Jonathan Mendelssohn. They teamed up for their track, Oceans. Take a listen. Man, if there was like a, a hall of fame for melodic dubstep, uh-huh. this would, you know, Seven Lines obviously would be in it, but this would be one of the tracks that I think would be mentioned right alongside as it. It, it, it's It's a classic song that I feel like, you know, so many people know and love this song. It, it's just such an impactful song. It's got yes. the different, the, the emotional spectrum on it is just incredible, right? It takes you on that emotional journey as he does with his sets and it just, you know, the light to the dark, it, it's beautiful. Dude. But I, I have to say, like, what, what made you want to put this as like a as an on repeat, or what got you listening to this again? Because this song is what, like, maybe two years old. Something I think it's like almost that? three years old. Three yeah. years old. And, wow. um, for me, dude, it's it's just like this year, my relationship, quote unquote, with Seven Lives has just grown <laughs> because I got a chance to see him at EDC Vegas, uh-huh. and I also got a chance to see him oh, with Orlando. you. At yes, EDC sir. Orlando, and he played this song in both of those sets, and every single time this song comes on. I just get so carried away in it. I just love hearing this song live. And, you know, this is one of my absolute favorite things about Seven Lions is just how inventive he is. Jason mm-hmm. Ross as well, but Seven Lions really, just how inventive he is and just how forward-thinking he is in bass music. And one of my yeah. all-time favorite things about this man is he doesn't say a fucking word during his sets. <laughs> he lets the <laughs> music... <laughs> He lets the music speak for itself. And you know that when this track drops, all of my crybangers out there, all my melodic bass heads, we're all in it together. And that's why I love this song, dude. So this has been a fun way to start off this episode for me. 
Oh, it is. Thank you. Thank you for, in- you know, for introducing the whole episode with us. It's such an amazing song, some great energy. But I tell you what, we've got some even more heat coming your way. Now, Let's ladies and gentlemen, it. EDM Champions, we're doing something a little bit different this week. So we do want to hear how you feel about this. But normally we have a new music section, right? Where it has just like big name people, your David Getters. But this week we're actually going to the underground because I feel, after Thanksgiving, I'm feeling rather thankful. I want to throw it back to the underground. And, you know, I know we haven't been able to shout out too many people from the underground recently. So we're going to rectify that this week because instead of the new music, we're doing the new music from artists we're watching. Ladies and gentlemen, starting it off, kicking it off with some absolute heat, some fire. Honey and Badger teamed up with Hooters to deliver a brand new track called Fuse. Take a listen. Man, what a great way to kick off this section, brother. This has Indeed. got to be one of my all-time favorite Honey and Badger yes. releases. I mean, we yes. have been watching yes, these yes. guys for nearly three years now at this point. And this they were in the some, first, was it first season? I think we first featured season, them? 100%, first season, 100%. And possibly yeah. even the first 10 episodes. Right, this yeah. is some shit straight out of a Chami Mala No mm. Redemption set. The mm-hmm. darkness is felt so easily, but that groove is very, very much alive. Yes. That's why I love this track. Big fan. What did you think, brother? What what I loved about it is that it, it's uh, you've got the groove in there, but it's also gritty, right? <laughs> like you can really Dude. hear that when the drop kicks in there. There's like there's some grit to it, but they they yeah. really play a, a, a very like they. I'm not normally a fan of like staying on the fence between two different vibes, but I think they really do this well. And so when it's done uh-huh. well, it, it's it's really captivating, and that's what that's what it was for me. The song was captivating. It had the grit, had the groove. It just had the rhythm overall, and everything was just put together magically. So I thought this was really well done. And also shout out to uh, I think Hoots is what a name, uh, you know, I love definitely, it. you know. But there are also I somebody that's on from the underground as well. So definitely should be keeping an eye on them too. But moving onwards, we're gonna get a little bit darker here. We're keeping the energy going, but certainly getting a bit darker, a little bit lower. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is Low Poly with his new track, Do Better. Tracks like this are strong reminders of why we place such a great emphasis on underground talent. Yes. And 100%. Yes. There is just there's so much creativity in the underground and Low Poly is a prime example of that dude. What I he, love he does about everything. He does exactly. everything. Exactly. I mean, he go from techno to to dub it's unbelievable. Sorry, exactly. I, I'm just excited no, about good. this guy. Go. You're good, dude. No worries. <laughs> and what I love is as soon as you hit play on one of his tracks, you genuinely do not know what to expect and that's what i love about it man those mc vocals in this track crossed with some filthy wubs it's pure harmony baby and that second drop 
will mm. knock the wind out of you, man. He is so good at developing his tracks and taking you on a journey, and that's what I love about Low Poly. What did you think, brother? That, that's the thing with this track, man, and I feel with with artists who are just so you know visionary, right? And I think I would I would put Low Poly in that kind of category. That there we when go. he puts out a track, you've got to listen to it from start to finish to get the full appreciation of it right and, and that's what you saw like as you just said like that second drop like there's so many people that may even just skip past it if they just find it on spotify right exactly but don't dude. you fucking dare when you see a low poly song don't do it because you know what he's putting out is not cookie cutter like i found him on mousetrap for fuck's sake and he's putting out dude. music like this it's unbelievable and just to hear kind of like the nod to the it's like the transition period between older school dubstep and modern yeah. dubstep because that's where this yeah. really falls in was towards of the scream and the benga eras right where they just got like the the high-pitched wubs coming in it, it's it's wonderful it's really cool to see that he's taking that and modernizing it and that's why i think he's just you know he's just wonders for the scene uh and i think he's still really underappreciated so edm champions go show him some love good shit Good shit, man. Good shit. Let's keep it moving forward, okay? We got another melodic oh. bass track for you all. Yes, but this we time, do. This one is from Dante Levo and Swole Sauce, two artists that were watching, teaming mm-hmm. up with Diana Inez for their track, You Never Run. Take a listen. Dante Lever and Swole Sauce, they came so well together, right? Their styles, I think, have, you know, synergy from the very get-go. And that's a drink Ooh. for the people on our uh, checklist there. But I'll take a drink afterwards. But Dante Lever and Swole Sauce, they came together. It, it, it's meshed so well. It's almost like they have, like, a, an alias together, right? Like, mm. you you really couldn't tell, necessarily, that it was two different artists having, like, their vision was just so united on this track. And then Diana really came in and just, you know, they, they utilized wow. vocals excellently superbly like th- this was a sign of someone that i think you know when we've been tracking for a while both of them right they they've they were always talented but they're really showing that potential now like this is what i would call like this is a professional track like this is a very Ooh. very professional track so i'm so happy to see this growth because it just shows like you know in no time they're gonna be playing on stages at our favorite festivals you just gotta pay respect to all three of these artists and i have to say i just want to emphasize this again one more time diana Inez sounded absolutely fantastic on this track Mm -hmm. everyone truly showed up and did a plus work and i think this is just such a wonderful track that all of our melodic bass heads can get into alec dude fuck me man fuck me all right, all right. Oh! This 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 track, it's so aptly named because it describes. Ex- it doesn't need to be like a complicated name for the track, right? Like it just describes what it brings. Trip trot, baby. They have brought the heat with their new track called Heat. Here we go. Take a listen. Heat, boy. 
this is fucking unreal, okay? EDM champions, if you find my brain, please send it back to me in San Diego. <laughs> I seem to have lost it when this shit dropped, and then my head exploded on this second drop, man. The push and pull on this track is so well done. What I can really see is a lot of DJs dropping this as like a surprise drop yes. in their sets, yes. and you just don't see it coming. And how about that DNB, dude? <laughs> what? It's, it's only Trip Drop who can combine all these genres into one track. And a prime example of that is the Trip Drop twist that they did for Alice in Wonderland's oh. Lost My Mind. Yes. That is still one of my absolute favorite yes. remixes I've ever heard. And again, they, they, they did it again with Heat. So, big fan. What did you think, brother? I I was blown away by this track. It was it, it was so bloody good. It was just it, it's amazing. <laughs> like, and I never use see I don't even use English kind of terms anymore. So you know it's yeah. good when that slips and I accidentally throw it in there because you know living in America I don't say these things anymore. But that's how good Trip Trop was. It, I, I again like you hit the nail on the head with the analysis, man. Like I'm not gonna say too much more than the fact that this is I have a feeling it's gonna be played a lot. Oh yeah, a lot by big name DJs. I mean, they've already gotten support from the likes of you know Valentino Khan, Dylan Francis, but this is another Joyride. one that they're de- Joyride. They're definitely going to be throwing this in because it- it's just amazing from start to finish. Like this was a song that this is my favorite Trip Trop release, um, and it was <laughs> something go. that really blew me away. Like I was not expecting this whatsoever, but I, I should have been. I should have been expecting this. Like the- again, the growth. It's un believable this is a, a professional song with the utmost class in the trap scene it's, it's unbelievable Dude, first off great stuff from the beginning of the show till now and onwards but how did the edm champions get connected to all this amazing music that we just talked about oh they've got to head over to our website beyondthebeats.co and navigate yourself over to our show notes menu where you will find all of the links to everything that we have talked about and will talk about in this episode, that's 125, as well as all previous 124 episodes. It's rather wonderful. It's a one-stop shop for all things beyond the beat. But of course, we want to. We love engaging and talking with the EDM champion community. We truly, truly do. Like you don't understand. Like it really fills my heart with joy when we're able to talk with real life EDM champions. So. Give us a follow and interact with us on our socials. On Instagram, we're at btb.pod. On Twitter, we're at podbtb. My Twitter is Alec underscore btb, and Samir's is Samir underscore btb. Thank you so much, my friend. I really, really appreciate that, man. Um, and I just want to say I'm loving Twitter. I'm having such a I know, good time I, on, on that the, app, I, dude. <laughs> I'm having so much fucking fun on Twitter. So, Edia Champions, if you want to do some shit posting with me, if you want to fuck around... Just uh, hit me up on Twitter at Samir underscore BTP. Alec, you know, man, like we just we just did a whole new music section wholly dedicated to the artists that we're watching. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. so, so fun. You know, you know what I mean? Because these are artists that are a little bit smaller, but they have a lot of passion for what they yep. do and they have a yep. lot of fucking talent. And you know what that reminds me of, dude? What? What's that? That reminds me of our sponsor, Fest Flags. Okay. Mm. And I'll tell yes. you why. Beautiful. Small business, but they put so much time and so much attention and so much care into making sure that the EDM champions get the best flag possible for all their upcoming festivals and shows and raves. And those flags are made with love and they're made with high quality. Their customer service is amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're super Mm -hmm. responsive. And best of all, 
You don't even need to have design experience to make your own flag, okay? You could just go on to festflags.com, okay? Step through the checkout process, and the team over there will help you get a design that you love, they'll do some revisions for you, and then they'll get that shit printed, and they'll mail it home to you extremely quickly. And best of all, you get 10% off when you use mm. our code BTBPOD. So go to festflags, F-E-S-T-F-L-A-G-S.com and use our code BTBPOD for 10% off and you're going to love supporting a small but amazing business like Fest Flags. Alec, we have a really, really fascinating, interesting, and perhaps at times controversial yes. conversation. 100%. We really Where do. We uh, when we recorded this, you know, it was, uh, it's a big deal. Uh, many people who are in the producer community will have heard of the company Boomi, right? Uh, it's essentially sign up for it um, and you're able to u- leverage their AI technology in order to just create a song from scratch. So you don't need any type of uh, production background, uh, any real technical knowledge when it comes to music production. So it's a little bit controversial for that because it kind of feels like you've got a piece of software that's just writing all of the music for you. But there's always some nuances in these type of stories, right? And I'm not Mm. saying, you know, I don't think there's a clear answer on whether this is good or not for the scene. However, we thought it was of the utmost importance that as this technology comes into the market, that we have people like this on to chat about it because the nuances like that, you know, the devil lies in the details, right? So it lies in the nuances and whether we like it or not, this type of technology is coming. So it's important to have these conversations now early about it so that we can really be able to understand each side uh, and really understand how this could impact our scene. So rather than put words into his mouth, we decided to invite and have on the CEO and founder of Boomi to talk to us about everything relating to AI-powered software in the music creation process. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, EDM champions, keep your minds open and listen to this conversation that we had with Alex Mitchell of Boomi. First of all, tell us a little bit more about like your your background and how you came to start Boomi and this kind of like crazy concept that that it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and thanks uh thanks again so much for uh for having me. Um so Boomi came from a long career as a musician, um but also as somebody who was uh heavily involved in music tech and I I was just fascinated by the space uh, when I first saw some of these early projects, early research uh, into uh, you know AI music and, and music automation generally, uh, maybe you know five five ten years ago, uh, my last company was uh, an AR research company, so we had lots of data, uh, and we were looking at you know different ways to try to do predictive analytics to see what kinds of songs could be hits. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not really a, uh, that far of a jump, right, to say, well, wait a minute, you know, are there are there data principles? Are there things that we can do uh, with this technology that could enable people to create music? Um, and if the answer to that is yes, then the next big question is, well, why, right? And who actually would want to? And how do we sort of look at this, this new market of people who would make music, right, if they could? Uh, and and th- all those sort of questions were, were just so interesting and we, we had to start a company around it. So uh, here we are, you know, um, all, this, uh, all these songs later. And so, like, I guess just a quick kind of like, let's just give a quick little background. Like, do you have some like stats off the top of your head that you could throw just to give our audience a sense of how much Boomi has accomplished in a relatively short period of time? Sure, sure. So we've been at it uh, since about uh, early 2019. And, you know, from then to now, 
We've got over four million original songs that our users have uh, that our Ooh. users have created. Um, and again, I want to be clear: like that's that's a per- people, right? Making making the music. Uh, we didn't just sit there and press a button. Um, there's uh, you know uh, over a uh, hundred thousand um, of those assets are live in the streaming market, um, earning revenue for those users. Uh, we've got uh, over two hundred thousand, uh, actually close to two hundred fifty thousand users uh, now, and a ton of this growth has been in the last actually like the last five or six months. Wow. Uh, we did a million songs in about a ninety day period. To put that into into context. Uh, and we do a bunch of different genres. Uh, hip hop beats are very popular on the platform. Obviously, we recently launched EDM, uh, which is which is one of the reasons why we're here. And uh, you know, other genres and our users can can take the songs, make uh, make crazy stuff with it. Um, but uh, yeah, the the growth and keeping up with the growth is just has just been incredible. So I imagine just because of just how many songs have been produced thus far, it, it must be quite an easy process to kind of get on and start making uh, music with Boomi. So what is kind of, what is that? Like walk us through the production process. Like Samir and I have, you know, played with it before hopping on the call, obviously. Uh, but I think just for the people listening in, like, you know, what that new user that, that comes on board, what's kind of like their flow and how do they get to making and publishing their first song? Sure. So, you know, in, in that second question of who wants to do this and why, right? 85% plus of our users are first time music makers. And mm-hmm. so we've optimized it to be as simple as possible to get started. I would say, depending on how much musical knowledge you're bringing to the platform, uh, that's going to determine your path. If you know what tempo means, if you know, uh, you know, about what the word production and mixing mean, right? Uh, we have a custom style that you can go in and you can select custom. You can pick from a whole bunch of different presets uh, around mixing parameters and instrument parameters uh, and, and get, uh, get really specific into different densities you can say i don't want you know the bass to play this much i want tons of drums lots of chord uh that kind of stuff um but if you have no idea what you're doing right and you've never made music before you can use a a top level preset uh or a series of presets that we've created around genres and from there you get a a song right uh and there you pretty much have uh, a couple of different ways you can go from there you can reject it if you don't like how it sounds and it'll create a another totally fully produced song uh I skipped over this, but maybe uh, it's it's important to note that what what Boomi will give you, you know, as a starting point is a fully produced track. So mm-hmm. all of the notes, all of the uh, different automation, all of the effects, like everything. And because it's an automated system, you know, it's not always going to get everything perfect. Right. right. Uh, right. Not every song is going to be, you know, that great. And so you kind of filter through, you find one you like uh, and then you can start making edits. You can change the arrangements. Uh, you can reproduce certain elements of it. You could add vocals. Uh, you can add automatic vocals. So just uh, as some of our users like to do, you can just scream something random uh, into the microphone <laughs> and it will put that over a beat and it will make it, it, it our, our systems will do their best uh, to try to, you know, something cool out of that. And from there, you know, you've, you've got songs in a library. And by the way, this is all completely free. Uh, and from there, you can create a you can create a release just like any any label would. Uh, and we are, you know, basically a, an integrated instrument and a distributor and label and publisher. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll publish that music for you uh, to uh, globally, to all the different uh, streaming services, not just uh, domestically, but internationally as well. Uh, and not just music streaming services, but YouTube and TikTok and all those places. And as they get streams, uh, we, we pay our user, we pay you for every stream. Uh, and so if you're, you know, somebody who just wants to get started making music, you can go from never having created a song in your life to having something kind of cool, right, uh, out there on streaming platforms right next to your favorite artists in, you know, 15, 20 minutes uh, or, or even less. And uh, we just think that's really, uh, really cool and really special. 
if you have video content, if you have a podcast, right, um, you can create a song, distribute it to the platforms. Uh, if you have a TikTok following, we're seeing a ton of growth on TikTok, uh, you can start using that music in your own videos and we will pay you uh, an 80% share of those royalties. So that's that's the cut that we do with our users. We pay out, you know, 80% uh, and we keep 20 to keep the lights on. Wow. So one thing that I really like about Boomi's mission and what you all are doing is that you're making music production easy to access you're allowing people to really just try it out without dropping a ton of money to get started in the creative process of producing music and so that's where we're at right now but where, where do you where do you see boomy going in about five years from now i liken our development to the iphone camera sometimes right mm. because it, it's kind of similar um, we, if we all remember, you know, the first iPhones, right. Or the first set of smartphones that had cameras, uh, you know, low light, not amazing. Uh, it, it could take a photo, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to replace photography anytime right. soon. Right. Now we have these, these cameras that are almost indistinguishable from, uh, DSLRs to the, uh, to, to the average person. I think look at what we're trying to achieve and, and what we're well on our way, uh, towards it's basically that the more data we get. Uh, the more time, the more engineering time we have, the better the music quality uh, in that initial quality and all the different edits that are automated. Um, all that stuff gets better and better and better until one day. And I think we'll, we'll, we will hit this within five years. Uh, you're, you're pressing that button and it is as good as anything you're hearing on the radio, as good mm -hmm. as anything uh, that's coming out of, you know, a $50,000, $100,000 recording process. Uh, that is just what's going to happen. And that I think is a really significant day. And you can hear it, right? Uh, almost in the process today, you can hear these songs like getting there and trying to get there. And what I tell you is there's no technology reason why we won't have a have a technology that you can press a button and it is as good as anything that, that anybody in the world is producing. Um, and that's an interesting day. That's a day with a, a million songs a day, 10 million songs a day, 100 million songs a day. Uh, it's a totally different market. And that's something that we're working really hard to actualize. So that it's really interesting that you touch upon this this subject of how one day music creation might get to the point where we'll be able to press mm -hmm. a button and a song will be spit out and it might be something as good as we hear on the radio. I mean, who knows? Dua Lipa might be singing on it uh, five years from now, which would be pretty incredible because Dua Lipa is amazing. But let's let's talk about some of the impacts of that. Already, it seems like music just in general, with the amount that's been pumped down, the amount that's available to people on streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music and so on, it seems like music already has... A, a, a increasingly lower and lower shelf life. Hmm. Do you think hmm. that Boomi is going to lead to that, you know, to that exponential uh, increase in lowering that shelf life of music, especially as you just talked about pumping out millions of songs a day, ten, tens of millions or even hundreds of millions? Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing about that is that is it is it the streaming services, right, that are lowering the shelf life uh, or is it the audience? I mean, mm. there, there's this kind of push and pull, I, I think, on these platforms now, right, where it is, is the, the platforms are building towards the user behavior, but they also start to impact that user behavior, right? And, you know, do I see content in general and music content in general having much shorter cycles? Uh, of course, right? Uh, that's been a trend for, for a long time. Uh, we're, we're seeing that in, in video, too. I mean, look, look at these TikToks, yeah. like uh, right. people's attention spans are shorter. Maybe some of that's the platforms. Maybe some of that's the, the natural user behavior. Uh, but the music market is and I think this is like a central uh, frustration point for if I put my musician hat on. Right. Um, the music market is not defined by musicians. It's defined by the audience. That's an mm. uncomfortable reality that I think we kind of have to just mm. stare at in the face sometimes. 
but it's the listening audience, right, that has the shorter attention span. It's the listening audience that is saying, well, maybe I want to do a bunch of lean back music that was not really an interesting or important part of the music industry, like in the, you know, in the 90s, but now is is huge, right? It's it's a pretty big uh, Atlantic has Atlantic chill now. Like there's a whole record label just for like lo-fi beats now. And, right. and if anybody looking at streaming trends says that makes tons of sense uh, because there's there's money there. Um, but that's that's a market driven, you know, result. And so when I think about the shelf life, far be it for me to to, uh, you know, know what what's coming in the music market. Um, but I think a natural step from, hey, that song is cool is and, and we've all had this a natural step is how do i do that i want to do that right that looks fun and i think boomy is going to be a really big part of that first step uh, a really big part of hey that sounds cool you know how did that get created and of course the more songs that get created the more songs we consume uh and we'll and we'll kind of see how those consumption patterns uh play over time but do i think you know we're, we're going to contribute to that uh, i don't know if we do it's going to be because users and and the market uh, uses us that way. But then the question comes back to just because there seems to be like this feeling of like people want shorter and shorter types of content, right? Whether it be video or audio, should we all be playing into that? And if we are all playing into that, are we just increasing that at an exponential rate that we otherwise would not have, right? Like I, I totally see what you're saying. Like TikTok is all about those 15 to second, 15 second, 30 second videos and they seem to hit. But is it because we are playing more into that and we're just creating this, this, playing field that this is what content and creation of content or and, and art is is this what it's all about you know what one of the things that i always wanted to do right uh, was not just find um you know the next great when i was working uh more, more with a and r teams was was not just how do we find the next great hip-hop artist but how, how do we get find the next hip-hop right right what, what is the next huge major fundamental trend and for me, it, the, the term that gets thrown out in my world is UGC, but I think it's people mm. making their own, but basically it's people making their own stuff, right? Mm. And making your own stuff, it, I mean, what, what, it, what it does is it means that the, the barriers that are already being reduced, right? The equipment, the plugins, the software, the laptops, the stuff, right? All that, all that stuff that clutters up our, our, our apartments, all of that stuff to me is an automation trend right that is just this trend towards automation towards well if we if we go back 60 years you know 70 years if you wanted to make an album you couldn't <laughs> you just couldn't right. uh, you had to have a record label. you had to have somebody put up a huge amount of money buy studio time rent that studio time wait for the next per for the person to leave and then leave and so and now we have bedroom producers now we have bedroom producers who are becoming the biggest artists in the world right mm. uh not just like oh that's a cool hit that came out and like we have Lil Nas X we have Billie Eilish we have these huge global superstars that are coming out of this what I view as this automation trend and so I think for me it's like well well why wouldn't it right then eventually become uh something that's even more automated uh and and that's where I see AI technology and, and automation technology like what we're building uh come into play but you know should I think the question of should we be be playing into it right uh, that's an interesting one. I mean, that's, that's, I think more of like a, a an existential question mm. and there's existential questions flying all over Boomi and what we're doing. So, uh, that, that's an interesting one. And I, of course I'm biased, but, uh, I think that if we, if we look at the should, right. 
um, what immediately comes to mind is is the good that we're doing and and the people who can't make music in any other way but Boomi. It's about twenty percent of our users, um, and the people who try to use these other uh, this this other equipment or this other software and they can't figure it out. Uh, those are big user bases for us. So um, I, don't, I don't know. Those those are those are my thoughts. But there's there's definitely uh, areas to go deeper on the the existential bit. Yeah, it's it's so tough because I'm like I'm sitting here and it's just there's so much tension held with it uh, in how, you know, I personally feel and I think how a lot of people feel about automation coming in in, in any industry, right? It's Because it, when you break it down to its core, it's really quite simple. It's like if the more you increase accessibility to any type of technology, right, that could be cars, it can be planes, it can be, you know, music production, right? And, and letting more people be able to produce music like Boomi is doing. With that increased accessibility comes a proliferation of outputs, right? You're going to see a saturation in some way of whatever output of what you're doing. You know, like when people before wouldn't be able to travel, you know, in the 1800s, they couldn't really travel to a lot of places, right? But then as more cars came along, you were able to travel to different places. Same thing with planes. So it's just, there's this inherent thing when you just increase the accessibility to something that is going to cause, you know, more of it to occur. That, that's something that, that bothers me because it's almost like a double-edged sword in a way, right? Because we've seen that certainly with music. And, and going back to what you were saying earlier, Alex, about how, you know, is it the streaming platforms or is it the user? In my mind, it's quite clearly a mixture of both. It's almost like a cycle that right. occurs, yep. you know, because it, it's like a perfect storm at the same time. The streaming services are playing into kind of the fact that people want to consume more music more quickly, right? But then the upside of that is the fact that you can stumble across genres that you probably wouldn't have taken you years to come across and in an, in an instant the algorithm can show you you know new music that you can fall in love with but comes at a cost is the fact that you're consuming at a much higher rate and that's going to lower the shelf life so i guess just you know not i know with like you know this isn't we'd like to get a little bit existential here so just bear with us but sure you know with, with that kind of in mind and you, and you were talking about the, the should question and the good that boomy does it seems to me that you're also trying to think that while you are increasing accessibility to music production, you also are thinking about kind of the negatives of it. What are you doing to ensure that you are mitigating some of the negative outcomes that could arise from say like, you know, an exponential increase in market share from Boomi where, you know, in five years time, you've accomplished everything you wanted and music is being churned out at just an unprecedented rate uh, and people who were never asked before doing it. So like, what, what are some of the the conversations or things that you're doing internally to make sure that you can mitigate some of the more negative effects that could be, could be arising. I, I you know, I, again, I think it's a perspective question because the, you know, any time in music history that there was a huge technological leap and arguably the history of music is a, is a history of technological leaps. Right. Uh, it was always met, I think from the creator community with with a little bit of that with a little of like oh my gosh what what is this going to do um let's go back to synthesizers right mm. uh none of us would we, there would not be an edm without the e there would not be an e without the synthesizer and <laughs> queen very famously right queen very famously in their in their first albums and in their early albums would would write no synths right on the back of their albums they were like because there was this move there was this thought among musicians in in the 70s what, what is this computer that's just coming in and making these notes and making these sounds. That's not right. fair. That's not music. That doesn't have a soul. That's ridiculous. And then 10 years later, Queen is making awesome music with, with synthesizers. And, you know, <laughs> however many years later, I don't think there's a single track on the Billboard Top 100 that, that doesn't have a synthesizer. Uh, maybe a more recent example, you know, would be Autotune. I remember when Autotune mm. was like this huge controversial like oh my gosh they were using autotune could you believe that this singer would would 
you know, would use autotune. And in retrospect, these things seem silly, right? Uh, because of course, synthesizers, are, it's just a different type of sound. It's a different tool. It's something that can be used creatively and, and integrated creatively. Uh, I don't think anybody stopped appreciating a great singer uh, because of the existence of autotune, right? Um, all these things did, all these technology shifts did was was make it more accessible, right? And so if you were a singer, right? And, you, and, and you're, you're looking at this, um, and you're looking at autotune and you're saying, well, a negative effect of autotune is that, you know, I, my skill has become slightly, has become somewhat devalued. You know, we could argue that point and we could argue that there, there was something that autotune could have done to, to mitigate that reality. But if you think about the literally the voice that autotune gave to so many artists um, that made these these hits happen, that made uh, that. Uh, became such a fundamental way that people made music that it's kind of hard to imagine our modern music industry without autotune and without mm. the ability to give people. All, all that we really did was just make it more accessible uh, and make it easier to make something that somebody wants to hear. Uh, so, so again, in terms of mitigation negative effects, uh, I, I really just think it's a perspective question. And, and mine, right, is that more musicians is a good thing. Uh, and, and I think that's been proven over and over again in, in history, and I think it'll get proven here too. Yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. And it, it's just the, the difference is, though, for me with and this is kind of what I think scares me and a lot of other people about technology, such as what you're doing here, which is just, you know, beautiful from a, a technological evolution perspective. Like, it's incredible. Right. And, and the tech geek in me is like, holy crap, this is amazing. Like, it is the future. This is great. But what seems different about this is that Autotune, the synthesizer, all these past things have been tools. Whereas where does Boomi draw the line between being a tool and essentially yeah. the entire construction process? Because that's where the humanity is in the development of art, is in the construction and the, the vision, right, from end to end. And then you can use different tools to help you along that. And that's what makes it accessible. But you, you, you were saying that Boomi just gives you a track from the get-go, right, a fully formed track, and then you kind of tweak it. So when, when does the technology become no longer the tool but really the creator and then the human becomes the tool right like <laughs> like the computer's yeah. like i i'm i've I know, created right? everything i need the human now like you're just a little cog in my you know collective intelligence to how i can make a better <laughs> song right i need you to come in and tweak yeah Alex, you're concerned kind of about irobot dude you're concerned about will smith irobot <laughs> I, watched right now. I watched irobot the other day in preparation no, i'm just kidding but... <laughs> no i i mean look i think i think some of it frankly, just comes down to maybe, uh, and, and this is why, and you even, I appreciate you even said it in, in your intro. Uh, I, I cringe a little bit when we're called AI music or this is all artificial intelligence or, or, or whatever, uh, because the, the reality is there, there is no artificial intelligence that is self-aware and wakes up uh, every day and says, what I as a sentient computer would like to do is make a song for my humans. <laughs> right. like, that's, that's, that is not where we are. Uh, but Boomi is, is, a, is a tool, right? Um, on, on some level, it absolutely is. And I heard it, uh, I'm stealing this from a, a journalist um, who, who wrote about us recently, but uh, they describe Boomi as being less, when you're, when you're making a song from scratch, right? Which is something that, that we all in this audience understands. Uh, it's kind of like a sandcastle. You're, you're building it from nothing, right? You got to figure out where all the different pieces go. Um, Boomi is a little bit more like sculpting. Uh, Boomi is, you've got a block of marble, right? 
and the way you sculpt that marble uh, is going to change depending on the marble that that you're given. Uh, it's you know less. I, I think we have to think of it less as yes, this is this is some automated process creating you know a whole song that you then verbatim just you know put into the world. That's not really what what we see much of on the ground, and that's what I think gives me uh, I guess hope right for mm. that for that you know hu human uh, future because it, it's it's at its a starting place, right? Um, most of our users, I mean, they, well, we have session times that go hours and hours and hours on, on, um, uh, in, in the creator tool, like people who will, uh, create, you know, five to 10 different options that they like and save, uh, those five to 10 options can then become, you know, a couple of hundred different iterations, uh, reproducing it in different ways, changing the arrangements, uh, you know, and, and really working with it. Uh, we, we don't say make artificial intelligence music, right? We say make music with artificial intelligence. Uh, that That is a, like, that is a really, really important distinction because mm -hmm. what we're not saying is we're just going to, you know, spit this song out and, and go go have fun with it. Um, but, you know, if, if you like it and if it's yours and if you define those inputs, uh, then, you know, that's, then that's your, that's your song. Like I said, all, all 4 million plus of these tracks were made by, a, by a human being, right. Um, with, with, uh, our, our artificial intelligence tools and yeah, it, it kind of makes your head spin. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend that I, that I have every single answer to, right. Mm. To, um, all of those kind of, uh, uh st sticky questions around, uh, well, is that um, you know, how, how does that impact, uh, the concept of authorship, right? And we we have talked at and with you know the U.S. Copyright Office about you know where where is this line, and, and right. then more concerningly, what does it mean if you're saying that this is not a work of authorship, right? Um, do we then throw out like all of Brian Eno for the same reason? <laughs> uh, do we do we throw if if you have an algorithm, right? Mm. Um, which is fundamentally we we create algorithms, right, that help people make music. Um, if, if you're saying if you if you chain together you know eight guitar pedals and one of those has a pitch shifter and one of those is a delay and you and you just tap a string right um, or your dog you know you know runs over the the strings and then we consider that you know a work of authorship in the United mm. States we we just do um, and and so I think the question is both um, you know where where does that start and end and what are the implications if you're saying that that it isn't uh, and it's just weird to me to think that you're going to say because of some uh, some level, right, of automation that 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 somehow that it means the work is is devalued in some way because however much we want to feel as though we are the ones who are creating music when we're using the digital audio workstation when we're using the the equipment when we're using the instruments when we're using all this stuff um, we're organizing right data and that music comes out as data and we probably couldn't do it without logic and without some of those automated systems um, without you know, uh, amazing uh, applications of AI within digital audio workstations, mm -hmm. right? Um, like Ozone, great example. Ozone, incredible product, uh, s set of products. They've got an AI mastering system that is just brilliant, sounds really cool. Um, there's AI, right? There's AI in music being used in production, costs uh, hundreds if not thousands of dollars, costs 10 grand for your studio. And what all, all we're saying is that that automation trend should be free, straight up, it should be free. And we don't want to throw ads on it. And we see um, becoming a, a distributor, a very large, uh, very important record label uh, as a way of keeping that free and open to, to the entire world. And I think it says something that this early 
into the process uh, of both the technology development and the company development, uh, we've already got so many people producing so much, it, it says something, right? So I think we're going to look back on this and we're going to say, wow, there was a time where we only put 60,000 songs a day out as mm -hmm. the whole world of music creators. Uh, and now we've got, you know, what, what a weird time that was. That, that's just where I think we're going. Yeah, that's it's an interesting question, and I don't think we're going to necessarily get to the bottom of it, right? In terms of the, <laughs> you know, uh, just the the really profound implications. Uh, I, but I appreciate the fact that you're willing to to field those questions. So um, uh, there's just one quick thing that I wanted to to go back to. Maybe it's a little bit less profound, but it's something that I think is really important that we can focus on real quick here is just the not only the accessibility that you're providing but the fact that you know the the royalty splits that you're giving very favorable you know very unprecedented in tech um and the fact that it's free for people to really access and use uh do you feel like you're going to start getting some more heavy competition for maybe some of the the bigger players in the in the tech space and like how, how does that play into your positioning versus them like i could certainly see in the future someone like you know spotify rolling out certain things or acquiring different companies and you know growing them up to compete uh with uh with boomy so like how does that play in in terms of like the 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 royalty splits um and just really being able to help artists monetize more easily I, so i've been i've been in this space for a really long time there's been a persistent conversation about equity Right. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in the music industry and, you know, the the different applications of fairness, we can that's the most diplomatic way I can I can I can say that. And there's a lot of I, I hear a lot of talk. I hear a lot of hot air. I see huge, you know, multi hundred million billion dollar deals going going on with with music rights in which the, the creators themselves. Right. Uh, were were um, per, perhaps, you know, not fairly uh, remunerated by their efforts. And according to some, and I don't see a lot of people actually doing anything about it, right? Mm. Uh, I don't necessarily see the economics changing that rapidly or, or really, at, really at all uh, for a lot of reasons. And, and actually, I think most of those reasons are, are market driven. I, I, don't, I don't think it's evil record labels, right? <laughs> I think it's just the, the market is such that uh, the, the economics have, have stayed where they are. I think the fact that you can go from never having made a song in your life to having 80% of the royalties coming to you on, you know, something that you didn't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to, to create um, is is actually a way to impact uh, a fairer industry. Um, and, and I believe really passionately in, in that uh, in that idea. Um, we we experimented with different royalty rates in the beginning. We asked people, "What do you think is fair, and what 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 is the right way to to do this? Um, what should our what should our split be?" Right. Um, and the other important thing there is that because we we have a massive right, we, we can actually go um, you know at some point get better royalty rates, get uh, more favorable and more uh, basically we can access these royalty pools a little bit easier um, because we're one large centralized player, right? Uh, versus a lot of different players. What I can guarantee you is that if we, you know, if you went to Boomi and you, uh, you know, got the, you, you took a file and you went and distributed it yourself and you're not going to get the full collection, right? There's, we could do a whole six hour podcast about this, but <laughs> the collection of royalties is such a huge part of our infrastructure and right. such a, a huge part of what people don't really understand, especially internationally, um, that our, our users are, are obviously better off, right? Um, distributing through us and keeping the content within this this uh, decentralized label and getting a, w a way better split off of that. Um, we we made a bet in the beginning that that's what people uh, would, would want to see and that's what our user would want to see. Uh, and so far, that's that's played out uh, brilliantly. 
and we think it's fair and our users think it's fair and we we're actually doing something right about this uh about this question of economics in, in the music industry um so that's that's you know my, my view on it and when it comes to the big tech players uh all i see is opportunity i see an, a bottomless well i mean this industry was not what it was now 10 years ago uh you're looking at you know a 70 billion dollar streaming uh 70 billion dollar year streaming industry in 2030 a you know 55 billion dollar music rights industry those numbers were like nothing um <laughs> you know 10, 10 years yeah. ago mm -hmm. and i think that means there's a lot of space for for a lot of different players mm -hmm. and all those big tech companies you mentioned um, they are paying you and me and and booming users, right? Uh, we send uh, songs uh, to Facebook. We send songs to Instagram. Uh, you have an Instagram following. You're you're crazy not to be throwing a boomy song in uh, in the back of your video every once in a while. You're crazy not to be dancing to your own beat on TikTok, right? Um, and and getting the benefit of the of that royalty. So. I think what we're going to see is big tech companies really supporting uh, some of this stuff and creating more value, creating more dollars, uh, going to more people. And that's I, I think that's only good. Love it. Love it. Really exciting future for uh, for what Boomi is up to and how it's going to revolutionize the music industry as a whole. And obviously, we had it's pretty interesting conversation, man. I mean, just the fact that like Boomi's on a mission to just kind of lower the barrier to entry for people to get into producing music and then publishing their own music without all these like, you know, gatekeeping and like just even collecting 80% of the royalties is truly unprecedented and very fascinating. But also at the same time, there are these, uh, these, these conversations that come up around like, is this the way that humanity should be going as it relates to putting out music? Are we losing that humanity touch? And of course, Alex, we'd love to have you back on again in the future. And I know we're coming back, we're coming down to the end of our time here, but we'd love to have you back on again in the future to, to talk about even more interesting stuff that Boomi is up to. But before we go, I want to give you the floor. Is there anything that skeptical users should, should know from you mm -hmm. as it relates to the Boomi platform? What would you want to tell them? Um, I, well, I guess I don't know that I really see, um, a lot of reasons to be skept, uh, skeptical of, of the platform or, or the technology mm -hmm. um, or what we're doing, but I fully, you know, understand the, the audience and our, I, I can tell you our, our humanity removal algorithm um, is doing is doing quite well. Uh, we've, we've tuned it uh, to make sure there's no soul whatsoever uh, in any of our songs. And why are we laughing at that statement? We're laughing at that statement because it's you know ultimately it, it it comes down to the market I, to any skeptic right or to anybody who who maybe is is looking at this cynically like oh great here's here's just another flood of content i i would just say look at your history you know i i was around when there was the the time it, it wasn't you guys were, were around it wasn't that long ago that the idea that you could uh, have a non-signed artist an unsigned artist on itunes was this was just this like explosion in the right. music industry it was like, I'm sorry, you're just TuneCore at the time, right? They were the innovator. You're just going to let anyone in the world put music on iTunes? Uh -huh. That's crazy. What is that going to do to the industry? We're never going to, you don't even need a record labels anymore, now, right? And, and what have we seen, right? Of course, we've seen a, a vibrant independent music community. And, and I think that this is, this is exactly the same thing, actually. It is, it is literally just opening up a traditionally um, gate, uh, um, gated marketplace, right. Um, to, to more people. And that doesn't stop at, at, uh, you know, at the, at the stores and at the streaming services, um, that has its origins in the creation process itself. 
so, so to the skeptic, I would say, look, isn't creating music fun? Isn't it awesome? Because we've got people all over the world, right? And who write in from places where they literally say, we don't have like studios or equipment uh, or, or any of this stuff where we live. We do have smartphones. Um, we, we do have, you know, browsers on those smartphones. It's why we're a web-based product primarily. Uh, we haven't even rolled out an app yet because we know that a lot of our users want to use us on, uh, on browsers, on underpowered devices. Uh, we, we've tuned this cloud uh, technology uh, to be able to produce songs so that anybody can, can participate in it. So what I would say is if, if you're an independent artist, right, who enjoys the fact that you can make music and put it out and anybody can listen to it, that's not that old of an idea. And I think if we fast forward 10 years, 20 years, right, that was about 20 years ago now, um, the idea that like, oh, no, 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 there's this kind of thing that's and that thing is a musician, but then there's this other thing and that's that's not that's going to get really fuzzy. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I don't have all the answers. I, I'm, I'm just a musician uh, as well. And I think this stuff is really interesting. It gets even crazier when you start to think of us as authors and our team as authors. Um, a lot of, lot of crazy existential stuff here. So excited to, to come back in the future. Uh, we can track this. We can see how this goes in the next uh, uh, 20 years. And then, you know, I'm excited for the the 20 year retrospective where we play this interview back. <laughs> exactly. And we're like, man, do you remember when we were scared of this thing? We anyway. were graying and. <laughs> right. Sounds great. Oh, oh. man. Thank you so much, Alex, yes, for, you, Alex. For, joining, for joining us here on Beyond the Beats this week. Thank uh, this you, guys. I really appreciate really, it. really, really fascinating conversation. So EDM Champions, we will have links to Boomy in the show notes. So get there so you can check it out for yourself. guys are listening to right now is actually a song that was made on the boomy application itself this is under the iceberg with their track equinox EDM champions, let us know your thoughts we'd love to hear them our twitter is at pod btb and our instagram is at btb dot pod and we just want to remind everybody you know as we start to come to the end of this season remember next week next week is our last oh episode of this it. 2020 i know of this 2021 season um we would greatly greatly appreciate it if you could drop down on your favorite podcasting platform and give us five stars and leave a review those help us reach new edm Huge. champions all over the world alec let's go baby where are we going next I get so excited every single week for this yeah. section, man. You know, it, yeah. it's truly the epitome of the experience. And that's why we leave it all last. Of course, Edium Champions, old and new. We are talking about the artists we're watching section where we will put two amazing underground artists on your radars. <sighs> Dude, it's, it's bittersweet, kind of. You know, we've only got this one and one more. Yeah. It's kind of, but you yeah. know, I know there's so many more artists for us to discover and talk right. about in the new year but it's kind of bittersweet i just want to take a little bit of a moment to just you know really appreciate the work that everyone in the underground community is doing it, it's That's unbelievable. exactly right it's unbelievable yeah. it, it is it is uh bittersweet to think about the fact that like you know we're not going to be able to you know for a couple of weeks we're going to take off and not be able to talk about you know new artists in the underground but you already know that when we're back in 2022 we're gonna have some even more fire but Absolutely. let's live in the present let's live yes. in the now 
Alec, can I go first? Is that okay? Uh, I'm really excited about my pick. Of course it is. Of course it is. You go ahead. I'm excited about your pick too, man. Lay it on us. Thank Let's you, go. Let's do it. So EDM Champions, I have not really played a lot of dark music this season, especially this half of the season. I feel no, like. you're the Crunchwrap Supreme. I'm Why the Crunchwrap. Dude, speaking of Crunchwrap Supremes, I had a Crunchwrap Supreme last night and it was awesome. <laughs> Dude, um, I, I don't want to know how much you spent at that chain. Dude, my body was hurting the next day. I will say that. Okay, but it was all worth it, my friend. However, all right, let me tell you, let me tell you about something that never leaves me hurting. Okay. It's my artist that I'm watching this week. I'm talking about Trisect. T-R-I-S-E-K-T. Okay. I found Trisect as I was browsing through some of the previous artists that, that I'm, you know, I'm watching, and I went to do their Spotify profiles, their SoundCloud profiles, and I was just trying to see what else I could find. Well, who do people follow? What kind of music is in their playlist? What are the algorithms recommending me, right? And I was able to find Trisect by browsing through another artist that we're watching uh, and, and their profile. And I'm so happy that I came across Trisect because I really feel like what you all are about to hear is something that I think is going to make it super, super big. And you kind of already hear the rumblings of this sort of in the underground and in some people's DJ sets. But... His take on Dark House, I find very, very mm. refreshing. It's super, it's fast, it's quick, it's upbeat, but there's so much aggression to it, mm. which I think is sometimes mm -hmm. lost in house music. You know, like, it, I should say more like, quote, unquote, main stage, mainstream right. house music, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. big tech house tracks that we've been hearing nonstop. Nah, Dark House is the future, and Trisect is bringing it with his track, Get Out. Take a listen. Definitely dark. Definitely dark. And I love it. I'm all here for it, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, as much as I love the crunchy side to you, I kind of miss the darker side <laughs> to you as well because <laughs> you, you pick some awesome tracks and like people like this. I, I want to see more of it from you. I want to totally. see more of it from you next season because it's just, it's like, you're so right. Like This type of music is definitely going to be part of the future for dance music, even more in the mainstream. I just, I, uh -huh. I really think... It's going to be, and a reason for that is just that it can attract people from so many different, you know, backgrounds and tastes in dance music because it, it, it's just all involving, right? And it's and it's different. It's great. And I also saw yep. that Trisectors uh, dabble a little bit in some mid-tempo as well. Mm -hmm. So I think the combination, mm -hmm. like, I think that's something that's going to really refresh that subgenre as well, is yes. the incorporation of Dark House like this. So that's what I'm super excited to see. Uh, you know, what Trisect is able to do in his career because I have a feeling that he is moving in that direction and bridging yes. those two otherwise very disparate subgenres. think that so long as Trisect keeps up with this sound, keeps making this very fast-paced dark house, quote-unquote, 
I think a lot of people can really get down to this shit. And I would just love to hear some of this live. And I really think mm. that 2022 and beyond, we're going to be hearing a bit more of this. So, Alec, that's my pick for this week for episode 125. Now you have an amazing, <laughs> amazing pick. And, and I cannot wait to hear the story of how you also found this pick because I think it's equally as important. So, Alec... Who's your artist that you're watching this week? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, EDM champions for the penultimate, penultimate last, right? Is that how you would say it? The penultimate last doesn't really make any sense. So no, that doesn't make that. any fucking sense. It doesn't sense make any sense <laughs> because, you know, like my brain is a little scrambled, not going to lie, after listening to this person's tracks. Like it's, it just makes me a little bit fright. It makes me a little bit kind of like all over the place. But that's because... Sure. This person has such an incredible grasp on what is the essence of a subgenre and what it means to take it into its new wave. So that's why I'm really calling this new wave drum and bass. Ladies and gentlemen, the EDM champions, without further ado, please welcome onto the show somebody who is going to rock your world with some newer wave style of drum and bass, a little bit of a liquid, a little bit of neuro here and there. It's an overall certified roller. This is Gyrofield with her track Out of My Mind. song is a total total mind fuck okay it is. like it's it exactly is. right that's exactly what it is i ah <laughs> uh, like I, I don't know man when i was listening to this song i genuinely just did not know what to expect mm. next you know mm. and i truly think that eurofield is going to be the the next wave of of drum and bass man like i just i could feel it in my bones because they're just so interesting to listen to. And that vocal sample is unfucking real. I I am a sucker for a nice vocal sample. You know what I mean? I think Yearfield yes. really just like Courtesy hit it Courtesy of home. Inkwell on there. Just have to give a quick shout out to Inkwell. Good and shit. I'm glad that you're saying Eurofield because I wasn't sure if to go with the actual Greek like saying of it. I don't Dude. know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it a Euro? Like, am I ordering a Euro here? I don't know. It's so funny because one time in my office we were having this conversation, you know what I mean? And we looked it up on like Google, like it is how do you Euro. actually? It is. It's, it is it's Euro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there's like is. a lot of emphasis on that G on that GY sounds like Euro. But I, I had know? no idea if that's what. All right, I'm gonna have to me- I have to message her individually because I'm just like I have no idea. Totally. Beyond that, I have to give big big thanks and shout out to Melissa. I'll put her Twitter into the show notes as well but she did a fantastic article for festival insider really documenting kind of the rise of her i mean she's only 19 years old if you can believe it mm, so unreal young up and coming so much potential but she did a fantastic article on her and her style of drum and bass and what that means for the entire scene the link to that article will be in the show notes as well so thank you for melissa but most importantly thank you Eurofield, for just 
really taking a genre so steeped in history and bringing it into the future and preparing it for that future. It's wonderful. Dude, unreal. This has been such a fun episode. And I, I just I just love how much emphasis that we're placing on the underground on this episode. Me too. Not only that, yes. but also the future mm-hmm. of dance music. Mm-hmm. I just feel like we got a lot of like the best of both worlds here. And I'm just I'm feeling very fulfilled after this conversation for, for episode 125. We will see you all next week for episode 126, our final episode of the 2021 season. And we have an incredible special guest joining us for next week. I'm sure many of you know her but we'll let you know who it is next week. All right. See you guys soon.